Hey everybody and welcome to Season 2 of No Root, No Fruit, A History of Folk Roots and Americana Music, One Record at a Time. Season 2 was made possible by the generous support of almost a hundred listeners who were able and kind enough to donate to a successful Kickstarter campaign. If you like what you hear, check out the transcripts and links for each episode at NoRootNoFruit.com. While there, you can also make a direct donation to keep the podcast coming. You may also choose to become a sustaining contributor through my Patreon page. All those options, including access to the episodes in Season 1, are all at NoRootNoFruit.com. Now let's get this show started. Swain is a mighty fine boat, got a mighty fine captain too. Got a big red wheel that goes around and around and a bunch of old hips for a crew. Well, I can't stay here, well, I gotta get away. I'm Chattanooga, Tennessee bound. I'm gonna get my banjo and put it on my back when the Julie Bell comes down. When the Julie Bell comes down. I was always talking about the river, you know, and how he loved to, to go on the river because he worked on, on a barge, you know, uh, when he was young. His dream was to become a uh, steamboat captain, and I was really happy to see he finally made that. We both heard Flat and Scruggs and Bill Monroe and the Stanley Brothers, and we were actually basically learning the rudiments of three-finger banjo picking together. He knew that the, the old music was valuable and was worth preserving, and at his heart he was a librarian, really. He even said that. But he knew that it had to be entertaining, too. So he was a, a consummate entertainer. He had this piece of plywood he carried around, and he had a mic on it, or a contact mic of some sort, and he'd dance around, and that was part of his rhythm. Part of the sound, he'd come over to the PA set. And that was his act. He'd dance around on that and play fiddle. There's a guy that wrote one of the greatest songs ever written in the history of written music.
Son of a doctor and a painter, John Harford was born five days after Christmas in 1937. You heard that right. I said Harford. He didn't add the T to his name until years later before he released his first record for RCA, and that was at the request of Chet Atkins. John was playing banjo and fiddle by the age of 13, mostly at local square dances in and around St. Louis, Missouri. He soon added the dobro and then the guitar. He was the Midwest president of the Flatten Scruggs fan club. By high school, he was in a bluegrass band. To support his music habit, he painted signs, served as a deckhand, and then as a captain on a Mississippi riverboat. Oh, the river run wide, run deep, run muddy, oh, the river run long. After I am gone with a steamboat, wheeling on a bigger white banjo, skipping in a Mississippi. John moved to Nashville in 1963, where he worked as a radio DJ and a session musician. The Glazer Brothers remember them as the backing vocalist on Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs by Marty Robbins, while they signed John to a publishing deal and the labels began to take notice. He added the T to his name and recorded John Hartford Looks at Life for RCA Records in 1966. Grandma screams at the Jersey cow and talks about a girl named Fate. Alligator goes on a drinking jag and wipes his eyes with hate. The railroad steamboat whistle too. Jim rehearses yesterday's news. Mom went to work with the bathtub blues and Jackson the sack with a grip. Yeah, Jackson the sack, he's flat on his back. Jackson the sack with a grip. Beats in the street with a 19th fleet. Music that didn't fit neatly into a category, Hartford Looks at Life didn't exactly make a splash on the charts. It did, however, serve as a pretty good demo for his songs. It also led to the follow-up RCA record, Earth, Words, and Music. This one changed his life forever. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds Drama of Young Lovers of war, alone and silent. This is Dr. Zhivago. John Hartford wrote Gentle on My Mind after seeing the film Dr. Zhivago. He never claimed to understand commercial music and what made a song successful. He wasn't sure why this literary-inspired collection of images resonated to the point that it was recorded by other artists between 400 and 600 times. Now that makes it the second most played song in the history of radio, next to Yesterday by the Beatles. He was, on the other hand, glad to have a song that would give him the resources to make music the way he wanted to for the rest of his life. Well, I couldn't resist. Here's a little mashup of some of the folks who covered this iconic song. I'll begin with the way you might have heard it in the car at a very low volume driving with Dad. Here are the Ray Conniff singers. See if you can identify the other voices. Open and your family is free to walk. 
Shackled by forgotten words and bonds The ink stains that have dried upon some line That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory That keeps you ever gentle on my mind Just knowing that the world will not be cursed or forgiven When I walk along some railroad track and fell That you're moving on the back roads by the rivers of my memory And for hours you're just jiggling I dip my cup of soup back from the curb and crack the corn in some train yard. My beard are up in cool pile and a dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through the pan round tin can I tend to hold you to my breast and find that you're waving from the back row. By the river of my memory, ever smiling, ever gentle, my That's Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs, which had to make John very happy. Working backwards, we heard Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, and, as I already mentioned, easy-listening icon Ray Conniff. While these were just the type of royalties that could allow a young banjo picker and fiddle player the freedom to create a few albums on his own terms. It also led him to Los Angeles, where he flirted with becoming a bona fide TV star. Glenn Campbell's version of Gentle On My Mind was a crossover smash hit, and he used it as the theme to his TV show, The Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour. Hartford was a frequent guest. He was also a guest on the Johnny Cash Show, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, and countless others, including as a host of a rambling road trip variety show called Something Else, but more on that later. John Hartford produced seven records for RCA between 1967 and 1970 before heading over to Warner Brothers for two more. The first of these is the subject of this episode of No Root, No Fruit. With the need to make a hit song gone, Hartford put together a stellar band of acoustic musicians and started jamming in the studio. He asked producer David Bromberg, who, by the way, strangely does not play a single note on the recording, to let the tape roll while they jammed and noodled around. 
The result was Aeroplane, a collection of genre-bending songs and tunes that many say ushered in what's known today as jamgrass and newgrass. Dobro player Tut Taylor remembers a relaxed but controlled atmosphere in the studio where they would smoke a little pot and play the same fiddle tune for an hour, while Bromberg, of course, kept the tape rolling. Aeroplane opens and closes with the traditional old-time gospel tune, Turn Your Radio On, by Albert E. Brumley. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, heaven's glory share, heaven's glory share. Turn your lights down low, turn your lights down low, and listen to the master's radio. Get in touch with God, turn your radio on, turn your radio This turns out to be the only song on the record that wasn't either traditional or composed by John Hartford. It also serves as the perfect invitation to spend the next 40 minutes on this musical steamboat ride with Hartford at the wheel. Well, I started out to be a towboat man, but I never got the hang of a ratchet bar. I was growing up a deckin' in the Illinois trade with coal dust in my ear. I got stuck in the ice on Christmas Eve and I froze my ass, it's true. I just a shiverin' and a shakin' with a down south case of them steamboat whistle After Steamboat Whistle Blues, the band launches into the John Hartford classic, Back in the Good Old Days. Someday about 25 years from now, when we've all grown old from a wonderin' how, we'll all sit down at the city dump and talk about the good old days. Oh, you'll pass a joint and I'll pass a wine, and anything good from a down the line, a lot of good things went down one time. I'll save you a little time. You won't find references to passing joints and drinking wine anywhere in the Bill Monroe songbook. You would also be hard-pressed to find songs like this. Down in the city, it's a pity what's there. Oh, the kids in the gutter running really bare. How much money do I have to get? Get me set where the jet set gets. Like up on the hill where the do-do the boogie. I wonder what they're doing when they do-do the boogie. And I wonder what I'm doing here. Hey, baby, wanna boogie? Boogie, woogie, woogie with me. Hey, baby, wanna boogie? Boogie, woogie, woogie with me. We can boogie over here, we can boogie over there. Come on, babe, we can boogie everywhere. Hey, babe, I want a boogie. Boogie, woogie, woogie with me. It doesn't happen often, but I'm at a loss for words on that one. It could be that I'm just not in the right state of mind, if you know what I mean. Well, it's amazing what can happen with the right pilot, a group of top-notch musicians, and a producer with a musical ear. Oh, and a few ounces of primo early 70s Colombian. Let's talk about the band. (laughs) 
That's Tut Taylor on the Dobro and the intro to his song Bad Music is Better Than No Music at All, a song that didn't make the final cut for Aeroplane but is featured on a great collection of outtakes called Steam-Powered Aereo Takes. Tut's flat-picking style on the Dobro made him a fixture on the Nashville studio scene. At 48, he was the oldest member of the Aeroplane band. The youngest member of the band was bassist Randy Scruggs. The middle son of Earl and Louise, Randy Scruggs, was just 18 when they recorded Aeroplane. Florida fiddler Vassar Clements was influenced by jazz, big band, and swing music, and he brought those sounds with him to the world of bluegrass throughout the 1950s and 60s, playing with Bill Monroe, Jim and Jesse, and as the fiddler with Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs when they recorded the theme from the Beverly Hillbillies. A year after Aeroplane, he joined the nitty-gritty dirt band's Will the Circle Be Unbroken sessions, the focus of Season 1, Episode 9 of this podcast. He was a virtuoso. By the time multi-instrumentalist Norman Blake joined the band, he had already established himself as a studio and touring musician. He played for decades with Johnny Cash, both on the road and on his television show, and was featured on Bob Dylan's 1969 release, Nashville Skyline. Norman sang and played mandolin and guitar on all these sessions. At the time of this recording, Norman is 85 and is still cranking out the tunes. He released the album Day by Day in 2021. Never flashy and always solid as a rock, he is an American musical treasure. Before we go any further, it's time for a station break. Bill Randall, 650, Dorothy S. Ma'am, the Axle Wide and Peppermint Endurance Company in Bashful Johnny C., home of the Grand Old Conglomeration, Fanny Hill University, and the Bathtub of the South. It's 730. The songs and tunes on Aeroplane have been recorded by some of the biggest bands in what has become to be known as New Grass Music. Folks like Sam Bush, Bela Fleck, Allison Brown, Chris Thiele, David Grisman, while they all light up with memories of John Hartford. In fact, Sam Bush said, without Aeroplane and the Aeroplane band, there would be no New Grass Music. John Hartford contracted Nod-Hodgkin's lymphoma in the early 1980s and lived with it until it took him away in 2001. You know, there are those who play music, and there are those who are music. John Hartford was music. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Come and listen in to the Glorland Chorus Listen to the Glad Hosannas Roll to your radio on Turn your radio on Turn your radio on Turn your radio on Get a little taste of love eternal Get a little heaven in your soul Get in touch with God Turn your radio on Turn your radio on Turn your radio on And listen to the music in Are you ready? Turn your radio on Hey, baby, want a boogie? Wait a minute. I may not be able to do this one tonight. Stop the tape. Gotta get some water. My guest for this episode on John Hartford's Aerial Plane is Art Menius. Art is a relentless advocate for all things Roots music. He served as executive director for both the Bluegrass Music Association as well as Folk Alliance International. He's had decades of experience serving on nonprofit boards. He also spent a decade doing marketing, soliciting sponsorship, and emceeing at the popular Merle Fest in North Carolina. He's an author and editor of Roots Music Radio Promotion and DJ. Well, let's just say Art is a true custodian of the music that is the subject of this podcast, folk, roots, and Americana. He's also a big fan of the music of John Hartford. I asked Art if he remembers encountering Hartford for the first time. Not specifically, because it was in the 1970s, and there's a lot of blur. It was probably an on-campus concert for which I still have the poster that reads, uh, Earl Scruggs plays banjo, John Hartford plays Havoc, Carolina Union, $5. That was from maybe 74, 73. But I didn't get to know him until uh, 1983 or four, 10 years later, when I was working for the Fire on the Mountain TV show and their radio spinoff, The Liberty Flyer. America's country home, the Nashville Network. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be dispatched to uh, Nashville to spend three days with Nashville, with Hartford talking about his projects and convincing him to be a voiceover artist on our radio show and adventure all around town uh, not being introduced to people uh, we went around town and he had talked to people and then after the person was gone he'd say that was cowboy jack clement i should have introduced you that was one of the jordan bears but i couldn't think of his name so i didn't introduce you i go out walking after midnight out in the moonlight, just like we used to do. I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. By then, you know, the crazy days of John Hartford were long behind. He was post-cancer, post-partying, uh, taking good care of himself, deeply uh, 
devoted at that point in his life, as he was the whole rest of his life, to old-time fiddle recordings. He was working through the book of a thousand and one fiddle tunes, tune after tune, devoted to learning every tune of the a thousand and one. And that was eating up a lot of his time there in 83, uh, 84. Gonna tear down the grand old opera. Gonna tear down the sound that goes around our song They're gonna tear down the grand old Opry Another good thing is done gone on, done gone on But then you come to, uh, to Aereo play that looks at the changes happening in Nashville I mean, symbolized by tear down the Grand Ole Opry, which actually had a real role in the Ryman Auditorium not being torn down and being preserved as now a very special music venue in downtown Nashville, albeit circled by party wagons all the time in today's lower Broadway. And then uh, the changes going on in the music that, that uh, symbolized. So you can see playing stuff uh, really straight like uh, turn your radio on starting and ending the album the version of uh, leather britches on there traditional music and then pair it with these songs that uh, in many ways either presaged or started bluegrass music depending on your your perspective but steam-powered airplane which of course became a big song for a new grass revival itself but you see uh, Hartford exploring all the resources available in traditional music which really at, at that point only the country gentleman had a thought to do within the bluegrass-inspired uh, part of our world. Well, I drift went away on a steam-powered airplane. Went in the state and I damn near didn't come back again. I didn't go very fast on a steam-powered airplane. Oh, the wheel went around and up and down and inside and then back again. Sitting in a 747 just watching them clouds roll by. Can't tell if it's sunshine or if it's rain, hey, hey. Rather be sitting in a deck chair high up over Kansas City On a genuine old-fashioned all-dynasty party airplane It was a real experience of his view of Nashville. It's uh, pretty relevant to uh, area plane. Is one of his two real Nashville in the early 1970s record, along with his other Warner Brothers release, uh, Morning Bugle, that uh, that followed it. And Ario played. I think he addresses the changes going on with himself, from moving from being a, a crazy hippie guy who in his own words, sat on a stool and sang his weird song, as well as hosting a really weird hippie TV show in Los Angeles uh, 
for a few years that you could find on YouTube. That's almost uh, the, uh, hi, I'm John. I wish you were as high as I am. And if you're not, it's a real bummer sort of show. <laughs> Something Else, starring John Hartford, the Action Faction Dancers, Johnny Mathis, Iron Butterfly with Panera and Rhino, Amy Rushes. Like as traditional as you have leather britches, then with Symphony uh, Hall Rag there, he's getting uh, early jam grass really there, combined with some classical influences in it. And that follows uh, right after Vamp in the Middle, which is another, you know, classic or iconic piece of uh, early newgrass uh, music and another one that uh, newgrass revival kept going. Make my bed with a crease in the middle Make my home in a Hollywood hills And I make my living with a hillbilly fiddle Play a little runs with a funny little A lot of what fascinated me about this record And too, you have hippie silliness like a, a boogie And I thought you were holding uh, mixed right in with the traditional grass and with the new grass and with so very nostalgic songs looking back on this Nashville that he experienced like tear down the Grand Ole Opry because his parents for uh, whatever reason they certainly weren't like my parents uh, but he was like 15 started letting uh, him and his buddy go to uh, Nashville on the weekend to go to the Friday Opry, which was then called the Friday Opry and the official Grand Old Opry on Saturday and hang around the E.T. record store and its neighbor, uh, Lawrence Brothers, which had both records and cowboy uh, outfits proper for a music star. Yeah, so he's in his mid-teens and they're letting him go down there and hang out in Nashville and experience uh, what the novelist T.R. Pearson called the last of how it was. So you have him coming out of that Missouri and, and Southern Illinois background and then running smack into Los Angeles in the late 1960s and writing a big hit record that meant uh, he might always not be affluent, but he could pretty be sure he had a roof over his head and food to eat at the very least. Uh, given him that freedom to e explore both his insanity and his love of a traditional uh, old-time bluegrass music all at once. Down in the city, it's pity what's there. All the kids in the gutter running really bare. Uh, how much money do I have to get? Get me set where the jet set gets. Like up on the hill where the doo doo the boogie. <laughs> I wonder what they're doing when they do do the boogie And I wonder what I'm doing here 
I'm sure he had the opportunity working for Wilbur Brothers to go punch into the songwriting office every morning and sit there at the piano and guitar in a little room, and, which is what you did because this was before the heyday of co-writing that nominates things now. So you'd go off by yourself for a few hours a day and write songs and hope that one of them would be a hit. And of course, that's uh, is not in John's wire, wiring at all. You can look at all those. Those five RCA records are pretty far away from writing hits, except for General All Your Mind. And that's certainly not a not a typical hit. That's much more into the Jim Webb sort of hit that was was happening that I think is more a discontinuity than a standard thing in our music. I'm a lineman for the county And I drive the main Well, that seemed like a good place to play some Jimmy Webb by way of Glenn Campbell. I asked Art Menius to talk a little bit about the band on John Hartford's Aerial Plane. In hindsight, they seemed to me to be a bluegrass A-team. That wouldn't have been recognized as an A-team when it was recorded, but it certainly uh, is now. I mean, Norman was the only one that was really established as a studio musician in Nashville. And of course, this was right after his time on the Johnny Cash show. So he was probably at the peak of his personality as a a popularity as a solo artist. Uh, Tut, the crazy guy that plays Dobro with uh, a flat pick. The only person I know of who did that, who certainly made him an original, and he also was an instrument maker, and I think that was what he was primarily focused on at this time when he was in Nashville and hanging around uh, the Bluegrass Inn and the very early Station Inn when it was a picking parlor rather than a concert venue. Randy, of course, was part of the Earl Scruggs Review at that point, which was another group looking at everything you could do within Roots music and how you could take that palette and expand what you could uh, do with it. And then Vassar, and of course, already become a major figure in bluegrass play, especially playing uh, with Jim and Jesse. I was just getting started as a session musician, as, as a solo artist. I reckon it's a couple of years later, Mercury signs Vassar up. In the 80s, in the mid-80s, Marie Hartford and John went to the Warner Brothers folks and said, you know, we got these two albums that uh, y'all don't have in current release. I'm out there touring and playing these songs, you know, love to to be able to own these and sell them. And they said, sure, we'll sell you uh, three masters for $25,000. And John and Marie said, but we only did two records with you. Well, surely there's something else in your catalog, our catalog you'd like to acquire for your label. <laughs> and things fell apart then, so uh, John and Marie just put them on cassette and sold the cassette tapes at their record table in the 80s and early 90s. 
My thanks to Art Menius for talking with us about John Hartford and the groundbreaking record Aerial Plane. Do you have a new recording you'd like to promote? Check out Art's website, artmenius.com. John Hartford continues to inspire and influence young fiddlers, banjo players, and songwriters. It's hard not to see his lanky frame dancing on a board and playing an old fiddle tune every time you cross the Mississippi River. Where does an old-time riverman go After he's passed away the soul still keep a watch on the deep for the rest of the river days. No Root, No Fruit is hosted, produced, and written by me, Matt Watroba. I absolutely love doing this work, but it takes time. If you'd like to keep the podcast going, please consider heading over to NoRootNoFruit.com to make a direct donation or to join the growing number of sustaining subscribers on my Patreon page. I'm also eager to hear your thoughts, ideas, and questions about the podcast, so feel free to drop me an email from that page as well. You can also just join our growing Facebook group. Thanks again for funding season two with a successful Kickstarter campaign, and I'll be back with more in a couple of weeks.